Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who could do that too, if they had those tools. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's going on everybody? It's show number 562 and on today's show we're talking about dealing with analysis paralysis, keeping Purple Heart Purple, and our favorite podcasts. Purple Heart Purple. Purple Heart Purple. (laughs) But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before December 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. Please do that so I can say your name this week. (laughs) I'm saying the names of Aaron Dewey, the Mercury Woodworker, Antonio Ramos, and the Human. The original. I'm so glad you pronounced that one correctly. That would have been <laughs> the human. Human. Yeah, you got to pronounce it like a Ferengi. That's yeah, a Star right. Trek joke. Okay. Yeah, I, I got that. <laughs> oh, good, good. All right, so we have a dining table episode today, and the. <laughs> what's so funny? About Such that? an abrupt transition. Music just gone. Well, no Come one on, else. Where's the fade? Only we destroying hear that. the illusion. No one else listening to the show will hear that. That is only there oh. for you guys. Well, I'm all about destroying illusions. <laughs> for them, I'm actually five end. feet tall. I'm actually not yeah. tall at all. He just yeah. wears big shoes. That's it. Yes, all that's right. what it is. Yes. So yes. we got a question from Tim, which I think we're going to answer. But the question mentioned paralysis analysis or analysis paralysis, however you want to say it. And uh, I thought it would be a fun topic for us to kind of go back and forth and talk about maybe things recently that we confronted where we had trouble making a buying decision because there's almost too much information out there. So first, let's get to Tim's question. Uh, Tim says, when and why to use lacquer? Finishing is a gateway to analysis paralysis if you're not careful. I frequently use 
or frequently see woodworkers using Sherwood lacquer. Why would you use this over affordable options like enamel paints, polyurethanes? Affordable's right. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> Things have gotten expensive. It's like $80 a gallon, the stuff I'm using. Yeah. I'm thinking back to when I was using that stuff and it was probably like 50 bucks a gallon. It's really gone up, huh? Okay. He says, in my opinion, lacquers seem like such a niche product in today's finishing options. I assume there's something I don't understand. And he says, P.S. <clears throat> he didn't say that. He said, P.S. Not P.S. Uh, Thank you for being you. The goofy jokes on this show bring joy to otherwise mundane commutes. <laughs> nice. You're on fries with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puberty's tough, nice. guys. Give me a break. Uh, I, I okay. think and this can be expanded beyond just lacquer, too. Like, you know, why would you use this particular varnish that is $80 a can waterlock versus this other varnish that's, versus you know, minwax. $20 a can. Yeah. yeah. Same thing in paint. You know, it, it's all exterior paint or it's all interior paint, but bear is $65 a gallon. Benjamin Moore is, you know, $75 a gallon. Like what's the difference? And yeah. it's all intellectual property. So you can't read the ingredients, find out what's in it. Well, and I think one thing to keep in mind here, we can go into details about like one versus the other, one brand versus the other, why polyurethane might be inferior for some. I think when you're talking about what other people do, we're creatures of habit. And if you were trained or learned with a particular type of finish or a brand of finish, generally speaking, you're going to stick with that. If it's working, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's unfortunate that it starts costing more but when I learned how to do spray finishing in a refinishing shop, I learned using Sherwood um, products and uh, Sherwin-Williams products. That's where my comfort zone was. So when I started building my own furniture, I would hear in forums, Target Coatings has some good stuff. This company's got good stuff. There's all these different finishes. But what did I keep using? The thing I knew how to use yep. and got great results with. So why would I rock the boat? I think when you look at other people's choices of finish... It isn't always based on pure logic around how the finishes perform and what they cost. I think there's always that X factor that you have to keep in mind here. So that may, you know, people just may be using it because that's what they get good results with. So why would you use those outside of that reason? Why would you use them over more affordable options like enamel paints and polys? Uh, Well, I don't know. Poly is going to be a very different performing finish. You got a different kind of dry time. If we're just talking about an uh, oil-based polyurethane, you got to be more careful about what happens in that space after you've applied the finish with a poly because you're waiting for it to cure. You create dust that's going to sit right down in that finish. So dry time can certainly be a factor. Matt, if you were doing something with uh, oil-based materials on these cabinet parts, for instance, like you'd have no. to stop all the action waiting for a face frame to dry. You know, yeah, that's no. that's just not an option. That would be a big no. Yeah, you got to have something doing. that's more... Even, even just, like, the convenience of spraying outside, like, the, the amount of time that stuff stays tacky, mm-hmm. all the crap floating around in the air, it, you would not yeah. be able to get any kind of close to, like, smooth finish with something that takes that long to actually dry out. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times people would, in the past, would ask, like, why don't you have a spray booth, you know? And, and certain finishes, they just flash off and start drying so quickly that you don't necessarily need this perfectly clean environment to right. do it. Now, obviously a spray booth has another purpose in catching your overspray and stuff like that. But I'm speaking in terms of like contaminants getting into the finish. A lot of times you don't necessarily need it. I mean, sometimes in Arizona, that lacquer would dry as it hit the floor. 
if I remember yeah. correctly, I would get this overspray that would almost be just dry particles by the time it lands on you the would, concrete. You would need so. like actually like a drying room. Yeah. You know, like yes. somebody's got access to yeah. walk by because yep. that stuff's going to be sitting out there. And you definitely don't want that anywhere near where you're spraying because that mm-hmm. overspray is going to be floating around. It's more particulates landing in your finish, making it all fuzzy. Yeah. So like um, do you think that there's merit? Because I've often heard this batted around that if you have like a super finicky finish, mm-hmm. like it's probably a lower quality finish. Like a, one of the things that you're paying for the chemistry, the formulation, all the 11 herbs and spices that are in that more expensive finish. That's what allows it to to lay down better, to to not, you know, show lap marks, to not orange peel as easily to deal with life like not yeah. having a perfectly climate controlled finishing room space um and and in my experience that's been the case like you know with whether it's uh like uh what's the stuff um spray can lacquers um mm-hmm. you know really Deft. inexpensive big box yeah um watco's well even even within the aerosol like watco is like a little bit nicer than like the krylon lacquer um and i've just found that you can get away with more uh, because the finish is just higher quality and the finish is not going to be nearly as, as finicky um, yeah. when it comes to the environment in which it's sprayed. I think I found that with the floor or... finish that I did, I have to, I have to go back and look, but it's the Bona traffic HD. I think it was like, it was at least a hundred dollars a gallon, at mm-hmm. least somewhere in that range. And when I laid that stuff down, I panicked. I'm like, Oh my God, this looks like absolute crap. Like, holy hell, did I just really just screw up because I've never applied this before with a T-bar. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, my God. You, you walk away from it and you come back and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. There's all the streaks just, and stuff. What the hell? Just settled in. I'm that's like, good. okay, well, I had a heart attack for no reason. That's that's nice. Yeah. But maybe yeah, that's... That would freak you out a little bit. I, mean, I was really worried. So I don't know if there's actually like real proof other than the subjective things like to yeah. shannon's point but that's been my experience so far with these more expensive products i definitely balked at it first of actually buying and using yeah. but at least as far as real world performance and like being able to like take up the mistakes of a novice installer or user there maybe there's something there yeah yeah well that's kind of what i was getting on on our last show and i talked about how like the high-end commercial finishes are assuming that you don't have any skill like the bob (laughs) flexners of the world don't exist anymore like guys that like truly understand how to apply finish and how to mix it and all that stuff like charles most of us the world yeah most of us are you know faking our way through it and just hoping that we can either buff out the problems Mm -hmm. you know fix it no one will notice type stuff yeah you know that'd be nice uh the the Roy Underhill method of just keep the camera moving so I can't focus on uh-huh. it. That's that's the the tactic we use. But yeah, yeah all of the the higher end finishes I'm seeing now, like they all have things. The marketing is it's self leveling and and can be applied in any any like temperature swing or whatever. Super forgiving. Yeah, yeah, that's the better way to put it. Good job, Mark. Well, thank done. you. I know some words. Uh, Tim also <laughs> mentioned about how it seems like lacquers are a, a niche sort of finish at this point. And what, mm. what it, what's interesting in his comment here, he's saying what woodworkers are using in their videos. And I think 
now more than ever, you can get a real skewed perspective about what the industry is doing by watching videos because you're only getting a subset of people who either want to or have the time to film what they're doing. And they have various motivations when they do that. Like I, you watch me do something. I'm not necessarily using the best stuff for the job. I have other motivations. Either it's more convenient. It's just what I happen to have. Or in some cases, it's uh, related to a sponsorship agreement. So you're seeing that product, right? That's so my entire decision process. What do I already have? Yeah, what's, <laughs> what is in the cabinet? I what species do I build? Well... <laughs> I There's something on the shelf over there. <laughs> so I think if you're if you're gauging the state of the industry by what you see in the videos, you're probably getting a skewed perspective on what's actually happening out there. Like I would never in the world of woodworking, grand total, would not ever think of lacquer, at least not now, as a niche product. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's always been the product. Like it right. was the fast drying a, a default like, product. Right. Dominated the cabinet industry, still dominates the cabinet industry. And that's kind of what I'm referring to is like how much furniture in your home is probably cov- covered with a form of lacquer. That's, right. that's actually kind of interesting. That's, that's the direction I went with the decision to use conversion varnish for all my cabinets and trim and everything. So I'm like, okay, what's the actual industry using? And yeah. speaking mm-hmm. to people who are actually in the industry that don't make videos, that don't have any like right. posts out there, YouTube. like this is what we're using. I'm like, okay, perfect. This is what I'm going to get done. If I had gone off of what people were using in videos for painting cabinets, I'm using, oh God, latex. If milk it's paint. like some like super general duper, finishes milk paint, yeah, <laughs> milk for like you know the DIY paint, or paint you know? their cabinets again, they're using latex, yeah. which is not going to last uh, at all. Otherwise, looking at you, Chris Schwartz, you and your linseed oil paint. Well, yes, there's that too, (laughs) (laughs) which is probably going to chip on you too. So I'm like, okay, let me just see what the, if I was buying cabinets from someone that made them in like a real shop, real production shop, shop. what's going to come on it as a finish? That's what I want to use. There you go. Cabinet shop. Thank you, Shannon. The words. (laughs) Vetted, vetted. I'm I'm channeling my Asa Christiana. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, all well, right. here's here's my thing, and and I honestly haven't used lacquer in quite some time. I used to use it all the time for like craft show type stuff, simply because mm-hmm. I'd be finishing the night before the show, and it was great for fast drying. But it's always been like super volatile. Like lacquer thinner itself is just Stingy. nasty. Yeah. So from a VOC perspective, because that's really where the finishing industry seems to be swinging, and then of course as regulations tighten with you know carb two and Tosca and all that stuff, you you can't use some of these products anymore. Um, so I haven't kept up with lacquer. Has lacquer has lacquer adjusted with some of that low VOC thing? I mean, I guess they must have. I'm sure some varieties have. I'm sure it also varies by state. I think if you want to look somewhere, probably California would be the place to go to find yeah. out what are you guys using, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's where the usually the most restrictions are. I think as a user, but I don't know. Just like subjectively, this stuff feels less. VOCE than stuff I've used in the past. Like I've been surprised how little like aroma it has. Yeah. Which is but, weird. But do you feel like euphoric and, and like have the munchies after you're done spraying, I guess is the, yeah. You've also probably well, breathed enough that you destroyed your senses. So you can't smell it anymore. <laughs> there there we go. It's, it's a difference. Like when you're wearing your respirator the whole time, then you take it off to leave and you're yeah, like, you're I like, can't Whoa. really, yeah, there's a little you bit of scent get in the air. Like, cause I've yeah. had that before. Like when I did the floor finish at my old house, which was, I think it was like a lacquer based thing. Um, it was an acid cure finish and that would like melt your face off if you didn't mm-hmm. have a respirator on. 
So when, you, when I took my respirator off to leave that room, like, holy hell. Wow. Yeah. What have but I been now swimming with, in this with whole With this time? stuff, like, it's not, I, I don't want to be in there, obviously, without a respirator on, but yeah. I don't feel pain being in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's always, always a good sign. Uh, yeah. No one's trying well, to slap me in the them. mouth. <laughs> when I used to use pre-cat, uh, the catalyzed lacquer from Sher- Sherwin-Williams, there were times you come back in the shop, and if it's like been consecutive days of finishing, you walk in, and even just a day or two later, it always seems like there's finish somewhere at some point in mm-hmm. some state of off-gassing continuously. When I worked in a refinishing shop, the spray booth, of course, all the overspray goes into the media that's in the spray booth, and that is still sitting there in some state of off-gassing right. and curing. Mm-hmm. So you walk into this building, and it just about knocks you out. Like, you know when they're using lacquer. Um, I walked through, you know what, the furniture place in Amana. So at the uh, Handworks show, well, it was prior to that when I actually got a tour of the furniture shop that's there. They've got a finishing room. And I walked into that finishing room, and I was like, oh, I remember this smell. <laughs> like, you immediately <laughs> walk in. It's always warm in there, too. So you got the warmth, and then you got that smell smacking you right in the nose, and it's it's brutal. And that was just last year, and that's that's a fairly large hmm. outfit. And I, I don't know exactly what they're spraying, but it's sure, certainly smelled like lacquer to me. Well, I mean, and that's always been the thing. Like when it cures, it's not off gassing anymore. So from a low VOC perspective, like from a consumer product perspective, what Carb Two cares about is the off gassing, the parts per million of the product. Yeah. not the product when it's being manufactured. Right. So, yeah, I suppose that's always been the case with finishing, right? You know, mm-hmm. once it's cured, it's it's fine. Okay, so Tim's question did inspire the dining. I didn't, I didn't expect us to spend that long on this, so... <laughs> Silly, Mark. Let's my, maybe my not bad. spend <laughs> as much time 562. On haven't you learned by now? No, I haven't. Um, so thinking in terms of paralysis... Analysis paralysis, and 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 now we're you know he's I think in any topic or anything you're looking to buy, you're going to find videos, right? We we're just talking about that videos from people with varied backgrounds, different motivations for why they're doing this video. It's really hard sometimes. So if it's something as simple as picking a tool to buy for the shop or some detail in the shop you're trying to do, it could be really, really brutal. So I thought we would kind of share some experiences, if we have them, of recent shopping that we've done and research that we've done and uh, maybe any ways we've come up to, like, overcome it. I could say that the most recent purchase, and usually the more expensive it is, the more you kind of get caught up in this. My most recent purchase where I dealt with this was buying my bike. Like, and, and especially going into a world where I don't know that much about it. In woodworking... I don't feel like I have this problem as much because I know who I trust and I can very, at least I don't know if this is accurate. I feel like I could read the person pretty quickly and judge whether or not I want to take their advice. (laughs) So that's something I do when I watch a video review or something like that. It's judging you. Oh, I'm judging hard. <laughs> it's 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 something that I can tell pretty quickly. And then I also know enough about the industry and the tools themselves that I may not even need that. I'll just look at the product description and decide what I want to buy from there. So I go out of that comfort zone and I go into something else like buying a new carbon frame bike. And I'm like, I don't even know. I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm buying. I don't know what it is. And it's a lot of money. Like that you're going to 600 series carbon, 720 series carbon. Yeah. 800. Well, 800 is bigger than 600. So I must got to be better. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> oh wait, that's twelve thousand dollars. Right. Oh. And then you go, well, should I get you know rim brakes, disc brakes? And then you go to a forum. You're like, well, disc brakes, of course, right? Oh, They're better. God. And then you go into a some sort of forum or that's a like a sharpening group. question in woodworking. Yeah. Like, drop the <laughs> rim brake into a cycling forum and just walk out. <laughs> yeah. And then they're all complaining about disc brakes, and I'm like, well, now now what do I do? I don't. <laughs> so I did have this problem, and I guess, like I said, I've, I said in the past, I sort of was subconsciously influenced by Shannon. Um, and that I think that's an important thing. A recommendation from a trusted friend goes a long way. Yeah, there you go. What do you got there? That's a door. He's. Uh, I'm, I'm playing oh, there it the is. Pretty, the the pretty turning. bike that I influenced Mark into buying. Yeah, but that counts Same for a color lot. Color and everything. So I would say that is one thing to help if you were in this analysis paralysis mode is if you happen to know somebody or let's say some figure on YouTube who you trust, who's given you good advice in the past, if they have a recommendation that can go a long way into influencing what you do and kind of tune out the ones that aren't as valuable to you. So for me personally, talking to people who know more about it than I do and trusting their opinions can be a big help. So have you guys had anything recently? Like asking this? asking podcast people, which tool would you buy? Yes. This adjustable planer, the planer joiner combo. Oh. Or? <laughs> I need oh. a smoothing plane. Can you make a recommendation? <laughs> uh, no, please don't worry. I mean, I, I I have to agree with Mark in just about everything simply because it's so hard. Like when I look at woodworking now, I can look back on some really stupid purchases I made things that I have bought that I was so convinced they were going to change the world that I never used and ended up selling in most cases for a horrible loss. You wonder like what motivated me to buy that at the time and what was I looking for? And I can remember like going through like the, the features list and doing like side by side point by point comparisons and, and like putting a check in one box and not even fully understanding like the difference. Let's just say you're buying a, a planer and this one has a five horsepower motor and this one has a three horsepower motor. And it's like, well, five is better than three. Yeah. But like, I don't need that. Like, you know, you don't know how to weigh that particular attribute. Like some right. are more, yeah. some are more valuable to you than others. And if you don't have that frame of reference, it's just a check mark and a check box, but you don't know what that actually means. Yeah, and I think without the actual real-world experience of using that tool, um, I, I find bandsaws are amongst the worst because they always have all kinds of different accessories. And for the mm-hmm. most part, factory-provided bandsaw accessories just suck. Like, I feel like they've maybe gotten better um, fences since have the last time. Better, I could say. Yeah, like fences sure. used to just be awful. Um, and, and I think that was the biggest complaint, so people responded. But, like... You know, all of the braking systems and everything on, on a bandsaw, like maybe I haven't used enough bandsaws, but I've never needed the brake, the foot brake, I think, mm-hmm. that they always talk about on, on so many of these saws. And it's like, well, this saw doesn't have a foot brake. I'm a, I, I probably should need to get the one with a foot brake. And it's like, I don't, I don't need that. It's hard because you want the new tool, right? And we're excited about the new tool, but you really have to walk that new tool through the next project you're building. And like, what am I going to use it for? And what am I going to need? And try to put yourself into the situation rather than just looking at the marketing. Because mm-hmm. the marketing is looking for any bullet point to, to throw out there. Like, and, and having made a few of these marketing sheets, like sometimes you just have some blank space on the paper that looks weird. So you need to put text there. Literally. So you're manufacturing another bullet point to fill in the white space on the page. <laughs> 
I need to put something here. Give me something, anything. I can't be the only one that's run into this. So (laughs) (laughs) there's just, so yeah. And when you're in a situation where you just don't know, like using Mark's situation where, you know, he wanted a bike and Mark came to me and the big thing he wanted was drop bars because he's like this, like, you know, upright position is just ridiculous. I'm I'm working too hard. Did you say pegs? (laughs) Pegs. Yes. Well, that's how me and Matt get around when we hang out. He hops on my exactly. pegs. The, how the hell am I, I going to get anywhere? I throw if a baseball card pegs. in my spokes and we go buy some uh, cards <laughs> nice. at the, the baseball card shop. Nice. You take it off some sweet jumps on the way. <laughs> yeah. We'll build the ramp together. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've run in, I ran into this in the same way that Mark, <laughs> like a few years prior to Mark, because I you know, was a you know avid cyclist all through high school and college and then just got out of it for two decades. And for me, the biggest issue was everything I knew was irrelevant. Like all all the tech had changed. It was completely different. And I had to like relearn a bunch of stuff. I did a fair bit of YouTube watching, but I also like got back into it with what I knew. So like over my shoulder, I have a bike that has rim brakes and it was still pretty new for me, but it's, it's a vintage 2007 bike and I understood it and I was able to get back into it and kind of recognize, okay, here's how I've changed. Here's what I'm looking for. It sucked because it wasn't a buying my last tool first type situation. It was buying a tool that I could get on Facebook marketplace for, you know, wasn't going to break the bank that would at least get me rolling Mm -hmm. literally in this case. And buying some some time to learn more. Right. And, and figure out like, okay, what is this disc brake nonsense? Is it nonsense? Do I care? And making little upgrades to that older bike allowed me to really hone in on what I really needed. And even then it still came down to like two or three different manufacturers before I finally landed on the one that I have now. Right. Um, <laughs> and you, you, Sometimes availability, at least in the in most of the world since COVID, it's can you actually get it? Yeah. And, you know, how long are you going to wait for it? And the store has it now. Hey, I'm going to buy that one. Yeah. What about you, Matt? So I have a, I'm against maybe a little bit of a different perspective to add to this. A lot of the times if I'm doing like a tool purchase, I tend to lean towards like things that people have asked me about in the past or that I see like other people are using that I maybe might be questionable. Like, is that actually any good? Or are you just showing that because you got it for free or whatever? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've done that a few times in the past and it's always been like, okay, this is not as good as people made it seem. I try, cause I try, I had tried to be a resource for people because I got a lot of people ask me a lot of questions all the time mm-hmm. about everything. Yeah. So, where are your shoes? Where are my like shoes? They're like <laughs> all kinds of stuff. You never know what kind of question you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to be like a decent resource of like nicely re- well-rounded. So recently I just bought a router table or I ordered it. It hasn't showed up yet. I bought uh, the Harvey router table, which is like the, I, I, was, I really want a cast iron tabletop. So I, I think it's cool. You can use the magnetic stuff. I can use my power feeder on it. It's, it's kind of like a shaper, but it's like still a router table. So you still have the speed and ease access of changing bits quickly. And it's not as scary of a machine <laughs> to yeah. use. Um, but I've seen people use these things. They have them. I don't really see them actually like using them, using them like, Oh, just kind of like whatever. And especially like the Harvey fence, it looks like it should be amazing and it better be for the price point. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my testing point. I'm like, Hey, I spent $800 on a router fence. Let's see if this is actually like any good. And I can yeah. have that non-biased opinion on the thing. Cause I actually paid for it and I never reached out and asked for it for free. 
And with Blastmail router tables now, I have that to add to it. But now I'm also looking at like router lifts because the Harvey one doesn't even come with a lift. They don't make a lift. Mm-hmm. So I'm going down the road of like which lift do I want to get now. Jessam. Well, I was going to, I'm ordering the new Woodpeckers one because it's also cast, it's ground steel, the top. So you can okay. use your magnetic stuff on the plate itself if you're getting close to the bit. That's nice. Yeah. And I really, I, their old lift, it still has the, the quick adjust, whatchamacallit thingy. It's just like, mm-hmm. boop, 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 boop. The quick lift. But I didn't really care for like the little dial. Cause I'm like, I'm going to like touch that as I'm working and change something like an idiot. So the new one doesn't have a dial anymore. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like that. I want to do that. But it doesn't come out till uh, January 30th is the expected first ship date. So I'm like, okay, that's not going to work either. Where's the info on this one? I don't the know. The steel plate? Is that the one? Quick lift HDS steel plate? Yeah, that thing. It's got a blanched okay. ground top or something. Some jargon word yeah, for yeah, yeah. a ground flat top out okay. of steel. Precision I'm like, okay. ground steel plate. All right. And the other thing I usually go for is, like, just buy whatever the hell you want. Like, I understand that's not always the most, like, not everybody can just do that. <laughs> but I, I have a less chance of regretting a purchase if I just buy what I actually wanted instead of trying to talk my way down into something else that I don't really want, but it's maybe a little bit cheaper. It's never really worked out because I'm always like, hey, this is, yeah, it's fine. It met my expectations, but I still want to be up here on this level. And I understand it's not always feasible or practical for everybody. But I've been down the upgrade path in my life already so many times, especially when I was getting started. Buy this, sell this, take a little bit of loss, buy the next thing, sell it again. And then eventually you're finally to where you actually want it to be in the first place. Right. So <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that helps with the, the paralysis thing too. If you're like, if you just take away the money thing and the attachment to your money, which I know is very difficult, <laughs> if you just let go of that and just be like, okay, this is what I actually want, this is what I, in the perfect world, this is what I would get and you just do that, you'll not have like this regret feeling of like, oh crap, should I have bought the other thing anyway or spent that extra money anyway? At least yeah. rarely. Well, sure. I, but what if you, I mean, I totally agree with that, but then there's also the aspect of like, <laughs> what if you don't know? Like, if you hadn't been through that upgrade path in your, in your life. That's a good point. Like, you're it really, because I'm, I'm with you. Like, I'm, I know, like when I go to buy a tool now, I know exactly what I want. And, and, and I'm with you, like it makes sense to, and with power tools, it can be, you know, uh, a $2,000 difference between what you want and mm-hmm. the next run down. So yeah, it can be painful, but for essentially a lifetime tool, I think it's, it's somewhat easy to justify, but knowing what you want in the first place can be a little difficult. Yeah. If you're um, truly best. new to this, you don't know. And you could, you're just, someone told you this is the best. It's the most expensive, but like. I don't know enough to say like, yeah, it's totally worth it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't know. Yeah. And that brings me back to like my original thing. I'm like, I try to like outfit the shop with things that people are asking about and I can give mm-hmm. somewhat of a reasonable amount of guidance to like help people find the path that kind of works best for them because people ask about tools a lot, mm-hmm. a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot. So anything I can time. do to help guide some of these folks into some path that works for them, yeah. the better resource that I am for them. And oh, that's, sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of my job. Our job. Yeah, that's, that's why I'm on my fourth router table. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything wrong with the other ones? Nope. Hell no. Not a thing. I, I just wanted to I try a, something different. I want to do a shootout video on router right. tables. <laughs> there you go. Someone asked for that recently. Oh. If I could do a router table shootout video, I'm like, 
the state of router tables now, like everybody has their house brands and there's, there's just too much. It's a lot. I was surprised. Like how many, like it's, it's bananas. There's it so many things now. Like it's, it's a router table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what the hell are we, what are we doing? Yeah. Should have just got a shaper. Uh, what I love I is still. all the, all the professional shops that I go into, it's still just like a piece of plywood with a hole drilled in the middle of it and a router screwed to the bottom, you know? People getting the real work done. <laughs> yeah. Custom millwork shops. Uh-huh. There ain't no lifts. There's no precision ground, nothing. Yep. You wanna, <laughs> and yeah, it's a, if you want to lift that thing, you're getting under it. Yeah. yeah. There's a 12-quarter piece of hardwood <laughs> as a fence that's clamped with spring clamps onto the table. It's pretty much the router table in every you shop. You got it with the spring clamps. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, you guys know where you can go to have your analysis unparalyzed? Uh, the router table configurator page mm. of rockler.com. That would be a good place to start for sure. But they want to tell you not about that today, about store oh. expansions. Which store should I go to? They're all so great. You may be missing out if you haven't been there lately. Rockler has been expanding and remodeling many of its stores throughout the country. The latest store opening was in November in Brentwood, Tennessee. Rockler has opened stores in Greenville, South Carolina, Cary, North Carolina. You'll find an extensive lumber selection, top power tools and accessories, dust collection, router tables, T-Track, hardware, and more. All stores also host a variety of classes for woodworkers of all skill levels. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you no matter which store you visit you can count on rockler for innovative products expert advice and great service and that expert advice part that's what i was talking about like if you're really trying to figure this stuff out you go to a rockler store you find one of the people there you say hey i'm trying to decide between this and this give me some advice and they will give you that advice and that that could be your trusted friend if you don't have one and you could find out which bike to buy (laughs) right to ask them about bikes and so i'm looking I was thinking between uh, Giant and Trek. What do you think about that? It's a woodworking store, dude. Uh, Bessie. Uh, no. Bessie. Uh, Bessie. I'm riding a Bessie in the parking lot. <laughs> All right. So we got two more questions to hit real quick. Oh. I actually, I got to go pee really bad. So uh, Shannon, you want to take that question? Yeah. Just and make I'll sure right you turn back. off your, your mic. <laughs> we, knew, we, know, we know how uh, shy you are about that. So turn off your mic. <laughs> All right. This is from Paul. He says, I'm making a custom box to house my dog's ashes. Oh, I'm so sorry, Paul. That's, that's terrible. Um, I want to use purple heart. Her leash and collar were purple for 13 and a half years. Uh, she blessed us with love. My question, is there a finish that will keep it purple and not fade or turn it brown? Or should I use another species and dye it purple? All right. Well, actually that's that's one way to go about it. Use like something like maple yeah. and dye it purple. That would certainly work. Yeah. Uh, this comes up a lot. For those who don't know, when you first mill purple heart, it is purple, like yeah. bright, 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 bright purple and almost like a blue purple, but it oxidizes to like a reddish purpley brown, an amaranth color, which is why in some parts of the world, purple heart is also known as amaranth. Tune in the lumber update show for that. Anyway, um, shameless plug. I, I really, the, the way to the color fast thing with, with finish is by adding more solids into the finish. So things like, you know, spar varnishes and things like that, there's more stuff. There's more solid particulates in the finish that reflect the, the UV light. So you can do that, but it, you know, if you want that like kind of thicker, kind of plasticky, you know, heavy varnish type finish, that's one way to do it. 
Honestly, I think you can compromise. Your thing with dye is not a bad idea because what is dye but solids? And it will add some UV protectedness. Protectedness? Protectiveness? Protection. That's the word. And I think you actually can use like a dilute purple dye on Purple Heart and it will hold that color, but you're not like creating the color. Like if you started with maple and add purple, it's never going to quite look the same or the amount of purple you're going to have to add is so intense that it's, 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 it's not, not going to work. Gonna and then like wood anymore. It's going to look like right. Weird. Exactly. Purple it looks plastic. like wood painted wood purple. Not to mention like, God forbid it ever gets knocked off the shelf and ding, you're going to see the maple come right through. So like recently, as I've been trying to build this cladding line, you know, we we're adding colors to it, but we're not taking like a white wood and making it black. We're trying to highlight and like increase the saturation of the wood. So I would think, you know, using, there's all kinds of uh, really brightly colored dyes out there. I've used trans tint quite a bit. I've used Lockwood uh, a fair bit. I've used general finishes dyes. I don't know if general finishes probably has a purple. I don't know. But using a, a more dilute kind of wash coat of a purple dye over the purple heart will actually make the purple heart look even cooler, like turned up the saturation, and it will add color fastness to it there. So that's my recommendation. Okay. I've done that with okay. walnut before. Just because remember we talked dye about having purple? cans of finish. No, not purple. <laughs> yeah, cans of finish in the cabinet you want to use. Well, I needed to use Rubio. I had a dark, like walnut colored Rubio, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we were finishing a table that was walnut. It's like, well, I mean, what's it going to do? And it actually just made it. What's it going to do? What's it going to do? <laughs> It'll be fine. It, it did actually impact, like, you know how walnut kind of fades over time once it becomes a little mm-hmm. bit lighter? Uh-huh. Um, it stopped that from happening. Yeah. It did give it a slight artificial look though it like almost too brown so yeah you kind of get mixed results that's why i suggest you dilute it like i mean you again anytime you're doing this use test boards um, test boards of the species that is actually going to be in your project. It, it's also a really good way to kind of homogenize. If you have a larger project with different boards that might have slightly different colors and grains, it's a great way to just kind of pull it all together. Not only that, but then the UV side of things is good. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Next question we have from Christian, pretty off topic. He says, what podcasts do each of you listen to? You answered this a long time ago. Do you listen to anything when working in the shop and not filming? I was wondering because I can no longer listen to podcasts in my shop. I love audio dramas, horror, creepy stuff. And one night, one of my kids knocked on a door and scared the crap out of me and I screwed up the piece. was glad it was just the wood and not my body. All right. I think I wrote some of mine down. I went into my podcast app and uh, you might be surprised. I don't know if you know me well. Maybe you're not surprised that none of these have anything to do with woodworking. <laughs> so I just it's all other stuff I enjoy listening to and learning about. I'm a big Trek nerd, so I listen to a show called Greatest Generation, uh, another show called Enterprise Incidents. There's a video game podcast, probably I consider it the best video game podcast out there, called Core with my buddy Scott Johnson. Major spoilers if you're into comic books and comic culture stuff. HDTV and home theater podcast. Love those guys. And then uh, Entertainment 2.0 that has the audio uh, voice doppelganger for Shannon, if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. talked about yeah. that uh, last year sometime. Um, so that that's in my feed right now. How about you guys? Let's see. Actually, uh, probably my favorite these days is Completely Arbitrary. And I just had those guys on the Lumber Update uh, as guests. So it's all about trees. Um, not <laughs> trees from a woodworker perspective, but trees from like 
walk amongst them and stuff, but really oh, cool. Nice. Uh, I listened to the Adventure Stash, great podcast, uh, hosted by a professional mountain biker, but he goes and grabs, I can't even say athletes because he had a chef on the other day. Just kind of cool people. Like he talked to a CrossFitter one time. He talked to a guy from American Ninja Warrior. He's talked to Mountaineers. He's had pro football players, pro basketball players. And it's, it's just a, it's an interview type show, but it's, uh, I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah, that's cool. What's Occurring? It's uh, Garrett Thomas and Luke Rowe, both professional cyclists. So it's a cycling racing podcast told from the perspective of people who are actually doing the racing currently instead of I retired six years ago and this is what I think is going on. Like that a lot. And um, Dust, science fiction podcast. Listen Ooh. to that one a lot. Okay. That's a good one. Short stories and stuff. Very nice. What about you, Matt? Um, I don't really listen to any podcasts. I don't really have like... Well, thanks for coming today. I'm glad you Matt can listens it. to the Lumber Update because occasionally he says things that I, make me realize I, that he might yeah, have actually listen to I it. I do He's listen seen. to that. I do. Okay. So um, there's one. Mostly because I like the information and I like you. So I like keeping tabs on oh. what the hell you're doing with your life. Um, I'm blushing. <laughs> you I don't listen to Wood Talk? That's like the only one that I will like, consistently listen to to see how dumb I sound. More than anything. Listen. It's a vanity listen <laughs> just to kind of see like, what did I say? Or... or you send me some quote that I'm like, when the hell would I have said that? What idiot <laughs> you said go find that? It. There's no way yeah. I said that. And then, I listen, oh, yeah, I guess I did. Because I, I can't I remember what I say on the show. So I, I have to go back and at least refresh myself because it's all a blur when we're recording, apparently. Yeah. Um, but I only listened to podcasts like when I was driving. And since I don't drive to my warehouse anymore, I don't have to like go anywhere a lot of times. I'm not in the car for long periods. I don't have like that listening time i cannot listen to podcasts when i'm working because i cannot focus on what i'm doing and what the hell people are saying and it's just it yeah, doesn't it's work a podcast. for me you don't actually have to listen they're not saying anything important that's true okay, well i guess i'm that's doing true. it wrong i'm <laughs> sorry do you uh listen to music i that's that's what i do i listen to music okay there you go all right there's nothing wrong with that and a lot of people actually do have a problem when they hear woodworkers talking about having tvs in the shop listening to audiobooks yeah, listening can, to Anything that's a potential distraction, um, here's the thing. When I listen to this stuff, ask me about it 20 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got almost zero retention. I listen to it because it's just kind of like a little bit of sound. I feel like I'm, I'm not necessarily alone. <laughs> and like and sometimes, <laughs> not sometimes alone. Yeah, if, I'm, if I'm actually hearing something that is actually very relevant to so something I want to hear, I will stop what I'm doing and just kind of listen more. I turn my attention to that. I think that's the okay. thing. Most of the time, my attention is on the thing I'm working on for safety reasons and just to be accurate when I'm in the shop. But then I'll, I'll hear something and I'll go, okay. And then I, then I turn my attention to that. So I'm not that focused on the audio for me personally, but I can <laughs> so see how. I'm, I've been doing it wrong. Is, is yeah, yeah. You me. just got to do it correctly. Yeah. No, <laughs> well, there, got, are, there are some podcasts. Like I have uh, quite a few marketing and SEO related podcasts that I do listen to for professional reasons. God, but I will not listen awful, to those in Shannon. the shop. Yeah, it's, some of them are really <laughs> tough. Um, there's a lot of fast forwarding. But yeah. I also do that like while I'm driving um, because I can focus a little bit more on what's being said, which sounds kind of funny because I'm behind the wheel of a thousand, you know, multi-ton killing machine and I'm putting more attention. All right. Never mind. It's yeah. a bad idea, probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Let us know what you guys listen to uh, in the comments, what your favorites are. If, uh, if you're also listeners of some of the ones we mentioned. I'm curious to see, like, if, if we do, like, a poll of, like, people actually, like, pay attention enough to both things in the shop. 
Or well, that's the problem. A lot of people think they're paying attention to both things, and either you know they get an injury because they were distracted, or they are focused on the safety stuff, and like me, don't remember the details. But maybe they've just never thought about it much. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. Could be it. You know? I mean, I it's guess not like I someone's really, quizzing you. I guess I never really thought about podcasts as, I guess, white noise in a sense. Yeah. It is. I mean, that's the only reason I have a TV is for the white noise of it. Of it, I'll put on a show or, uh, you know, even a, something sports related that I'm not really paying that much attention to. I just glance over at it once in a while. But it, it's. I don't know. It, a lot of it could come up with how you were raised. Like some, I know Nicole's family, mm-hmm. very much TV on all the time. Whether you're watching it or not, the TV was just on, and oh, they did yeah. do a lot of TV watching as well. But it was just on all the time. Um, and I, I didn't really have that growing up, but I think I kind of grew to like it <laughs> to some extent, just to have that buzz in the background. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it could be just a very personal thing. I just like to have my own thoughts going on in my head. Maybe uh, see, I don't want to be with my own thoughts. That's a dangerous place for me. Yeah. Yeah. See, like I, see I don't that. work out with music and most people think I'm crazy because it's well, like, how do you, how do you do like a, you know, a two hour run without music in your ears? And that's like, that's me time. That's like thought time and yeah. and also like staring at the architectures you run by it really slowly like I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about cycling, Shannon? That That's a no. place where I, I have a bit Super of a Super dangerous. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, if you're just on a, a goofy trail like me, um, I, suppose, I, yeah. I will sometimes go one earbud in, uh, one earbud out. And that way I can, I can completely – and if it's music, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, that I do have a problem with podcasts. I do feel like when I'm, I, I guess on a bike, I can be lulled into a sense of security. So I do focus on the podcast when I should not be <laughs> that focused. <laughs> music, I don't focus on. Music is always a background thing for me. Um, so I could still keep an ear out for someone, you know, passing me or someone coming up and I didn't realize they were there. Mm. Interesting. No. Okay. I like the sound of my own breath. Mm. <laughs> Man, I don't. I don't want to hear myself breathe. All right. Well, family-owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high-quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, it's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. All right, folks. Here's your chance. Tell us about your tool acquisition disorders, um, your paralysis by analysis. We want to hear it. This is this is a, a sincere plea um, from from the three of us who maybe have become a bit jaded in our tool buying purchases or a bit further down the road in our tool buying purchases. Let's hear from those of you who are starting this journey because I know it's a real problem based upon the number of questions we all get about which tool do I buy and they're expensive. I would seriously love to hear some case studies on how you overcame it and what the results were. I mean, nobody actually says I bought this tool and I don't like it. Like how many times have you asked for an opinion and someone is like, Oh, I hate that tool. I wouldn't buy that again. Mm-hmm. Unless there's somebody like Mark who bought seven said, of the same tool in order to do a shootout video. <laughs> yeah. Most of us always love the tool that we like, but I seriously would love to hear from you. So uh, send us send us an email at woodtalkshow at gmail.com or record a voicemail and send it to the same email address. I want to hear it. We will uh, we'll air it on the show and talk about it and make fun of you. Or not, <laughs> not the last part. That's what we do. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time. Bye-bye. 
Love you, bye. Goodbye, everybody. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.